Hey, so what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about Easter, and I'm super excited to do that. And I, I get it that we're here for many different reasons. Like, you come to Easter for all kinds of different reasons. I think sometimes people, uh, they just come because, hey, it's, it's like what you do. Like, you do Easter on Easter Sunday, and it's a great family tradition and all that. Uh, maybe, like, Mama made you come. Maybe somebody else made you come, but that happens too. I think sometimes uh, we can be invited. How was anybody invited to church? It's great. I think sometimes you get bribed. We love when you're bribed to come to church. We'll, come on, somebody. There's nothing wrong with bribing, but uh, uh, we, we do it all the time. But uh, I get it, too. Also, there's some people, there, they'll be, their, their story is, I'm not like a church person. Like, church is not my thing. Like, I'm not, I don't even believe God. I don't know what I believe. But, hey, we love that you're here. And Sanctuary is a church where people, uh, it's not just the convinced, but it's those that are kind of questioning and wondering and sorting out the journey. So if that's your story, we love that you're here. You don't have to be convinced to be a part of this church here. And so uh, one of the other things that I wanted to mention was, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, you're welcome here. The reality is that you see people on stage and all, but here's the reality. Is that we're just ordinary people. We're just ordinary people just like you. And we're trying to figure it out. Like, you know, I'm still trying to figure it out. What does it look like to follow Jesus? Sometimes we don't get that right. And so you are welcome here. This is a church for people that are in process, people that are trying to figure it out. And so you are more than welcome here. We'd love to see you next week. But here's what I know. Nobody's here this morning by accident. I really believe that God has something for you, and you're here because he wants you to be here. I also wanted to mention one other thing that... Um, uh, about Easter. And I, this happened to be in the Collins house. So I, I took this out of our house. It was, it's in the kitchen. Grabbed it this morning. My wife doesn't even know that I grabbed it. I'll, she'll find out at the 1030 service. She had to take my son to the airport. But you're going to find out. But you know what? What this is, is, is a, a statement that what we do today, there are two celebrations that are going on. There's one cultural celebration, the commercial celebration. You, you all know about that, right? I mean, we see it all the time. That celebration is going on. We've all grown up with it. We've all done the Easter egg thing and all that. In fact, you know, so behind me on the screen there, there's the Easter eggs. And, uh, and we all get that, that the uh, commercial Easter there. And then uh, the next picture there is what, a, a bunny? Yeah. So uh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. I ate plenty of those in my day and uh, never looked back. So part of a uh, commercial cultural Easter. How about the next one later on this afternoon? Come on. There it is. Some ham and all that. Come on. I'm being some too. Yeah, give it up. So we love, we love this part of Easter. And it's awesome. Any other parts of Easter that I left out? The Easter bunny. How about Easter starts with an L? Lilies. Come on, somebody. How about dying eggs? How about we do Easter goodies, bake things? How about opening Easter baskets? Did anybody do that in their lifetime? You have warm memories of that. So how about this afternoon an Easter brunch? Come on, somebody. Uh, so I'm doing it too. Okay, how about you get to see your family and your relatives? Easter crafts for the kids? Come on, so am I telling the truth? So this is what we do. This is commercial, cultural Easter, and we all get that. What we're doing today, the only place where you get the other side of Easter... I'm going to put you away. The only, the only place we get the other side of Easter is here. Like, who's going to talk to you about the other side? Yes. The sacred side of Easter. So this morning, we're going to get the gift of unpacking the sacred side of Easter. 
And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you if you are able to stand to your feet. We're going to read the Easter story. Here it is. If you want to stand to your feet. And uh, I need everybody out in the tent to read loud. I need to hear you. I need on this side and this side. Can I count on you? Yes. And over here. I'll do it. Yeah. In the tent. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. I'll read the first verse and you'll read the second verse. It will alternate. You've got three verses to read. John chapter 20, verse 1 says this. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And Mary was standing outside the tomb, crying. And as she wept, she stooped, and she looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away the Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they've put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? You may be seated. Father, thank you that we're here. Thank you there's a day to, to celebrate the resurrected Savior who was crucified days later trampled death and rose again, said it's finished and the tomb is empty and Jesus is alive. And we're by grace we're saved. And Father, we've gathered here to declare that there is no one like you, the resurrected King of the ages, who died never to die again, who changes our story by your grace. Father, thank you for new hope and new power and new life. We pray you'd speak to us from the scriptures now in Jesus' name. And everyone agreed saying, Amen. Amen. So my hope is that we could grasp the Easter story, and I want to read to you also from another gospel account, Mark chapter 16, verse 5 through 7. It says this, and when they entered the tomb, and they saw a young man clothed in white robe, sitting on the right side, the women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed, if you're looking at Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified, he isn't here He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid the body. Now go tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee, and you will see him there. Just as he told you before, he died. So the title of the message this morning is, well, I have a few titles, but one of the points I want to make is like, what's the big deal of Easter? Like, why should we believe in Easter or the title? What difference does Easter make? Like, really, what difference does it make? For many people, it's an American holiday. We consume the holiday. And then by about 3 or 4 o'clock, the holiday is behind us till next year. And then next year, we do the same thing. But perhaps it was conceived in the mind of Almighty God that there was more to it than that. I want to give us a context here. And the good context was three days earlier, there was Good Friday. Jesus went to the cross and carried the weight of the sin of the world on his shoulders. And there uh, on the cross, as you can see there, Jesus was bloodied, and he was brutal, and he was beaten, and he was nailed to a, human, to a Roman cross. And there he breathed his final breath. 
And his followers were like shocked, stunned, confused, afraid. And there's the body of Jesus lying lifeless, tortured, and bleeding out. And the sky turned dark, and from sundown Friday until early sunrise Sunday, hope was dead. Jesus proclaimed to be God, and now God is in a tomb, and now Jesus' followers expected him to stay dead. They didn't expect him to rise again, even though he told them multiple times that he would. So the disciples are defeated, they're despondent, they're discouraged, they're done. They're in meltdown mode. Peter said, I know when a good thing is over, I know when a good gig is over, and this gig is done, and I'm going back to my old gig. I'm going to go fishing. The other disciples are going to be, yeah, we're going to do that too. No one expected, you need to see this, and no one expected a resurrection. Everybody, all the followers bailed. Friends, if you doubt this, this is historical truth. Uh, there's been great studies done of, of the historical accuracy of this. Much more than things we consider fact, like Thucydides and things in ancient literature. This is far more proven than that. Anyway, they're running for their lives. They're done with it. And so they're going to go back to the old life because the resurrection is over. And what else is there to do? So Jesus claimed to be the exclusive Savior of the world, God in the flesh, who said of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And how is it then that some that would say that is now dead? We thought you were the life. How can the life be dead? The one thing that God can't do is God can't die, and now God is dead. The leader is dead. Brutal, final death here. So they did what probably we would do is they unfollowed him. The followers decided to unfollow and go in a different direction. It's like they hit the eject button. They tapped out. They were over. No one's placing bets on the resurrection. No one's wondering about when it's going to happen. No one's around the grave saying, okay, we know it's going to happen. Let's get, the, let's get the crowds here. No, no one is doing that. But friends, day three was coming. Saturday was a setup. Saturday was a divine setup for the greatest comeback of all time, for the greatest day in the history of the world, that a billion years from now, we'll be talking about, if we could show the highlights of all time, they'd say the greatest thing that ever happened when God rose from the dead in the person of Jesus Christ. So there's God engineering a resurrection. The death of Jesus was not the end of Jesus. When Jesus cried out on the Father, it is finished, you know, what he, uh, you know what he didn't cry out? I am finished. He said, the work God sent me to do, that is finished on the cross, but I'm not finished. He never said, I'm finished there, because Jesus Christ will be resurrected from the dead in three days. So friends, we don't have a dead Savior. We have a living Savior. He's not a statue. He is alive. And you can watch, friends. Watch, watch. If you, you don't believe, watch. You can scour history of all religious leaders that have ever lived, and there is only one that has proven to have been raised from the dead. And that's why we've gathered here, and that's why we're followers of Jesus Christ, because he's alive. So when we look at John's gospel, it says early on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. She said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. See, they're not looking for a resurrection. She's assuming the worst that he's not there. They were going to embalm him with the final balming elements there. And so she thought Jesus was the gardener. 
There's Jesus like right next to her, Mary Magdalene. She flips around. Oh, yeah, there's a gardener. I mean, imagine the stories that she would have told about Easter to her kids and her grandkids. You wouldn't believe what I did on the resurrection. There was Jesus there, and I thought I was the gardener. You know, no way, Grandma. So anyway, just a thought. But really, they're thinking this because who comes back from the dead? Like, no one had ever come back from the dead. So the women there, they're just going to do the embalming elements on the dead body of Jesus that had been placed in the tomb. They saw him die. They saw him placed on the cross. Even though in Mark multiple times, Jesus said, I'm going to be crucified and I'm coming back. And interesting that none of the followers went to the tomb expecting that Jesus would be alive. They all thought he's going to be dead. But you're going to see the rest. You know, I love hearing. Can I just say something here? Just for a second. Just time out. Okay. Just time out. Okay. So uh, don't let that be a distraction. They're like jumping up and down. You know what I love? that there's all these little voices, and this is where we got to be. There's all these little voices in church. I'm just grateful for that. So just kind of be grateful for that and don't be distracted by that, all right? Okay, back into the message. So, And so Jesus' followers, they're terrified. I mean, they're, they, they went from being, from being um, followers to martyrs. Now, how does that happen? Like something had to happen to them that they would martyr, they would give their life. They knew if they were dying for a lie, they were dying for a lie. But they would die for Jesus. So the one messenger explodes throughout Jerusalem. And they're going around saying, hey, mama, we, we don't know about the Jewish religion, but that carpenter from Galilee, all we know is we said there was been a dead man walking the streets of Jerusalem, and we're going with him. And so Acts puts it this way, the one central message was this, Acts 3.15. You killed, like, look how bold they are. You killed. They say, like, right over there. Weeks ago, you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. And we're witnesses of this fact. Why? Because we've seen him. So Jesus, the author of life. It's unexplainable. Yeah, we know it's unexplainable. It's unimaginable. Seems unbelievable. But when you see him walking, friends, it's undeniable. It's absolutely undeniable here. So the message is this. I have four points for you. I have four points about the difference that Easter makes in your life. The difference that Easter makes in your life. Number one is this. Is Jesus is the real deal. He's the real deal, friend. Like we say that. We want, so we know like this is really real. People may have said that about, yeah, you're the real deal. Jesus is the real deal in that Jesus proved at the cross, the resurrection, that he was God. So he's, he's proved that, that he's God here. And this is important to the next three points. So I read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In the tent, if you can look at the screen on both sides, watch. Paul says, I pass to you. See, they're starting to doubt. Corinthian church, pretty messed up church. It was like 1 Californians, 1 Corinthians. And pretty messed up. <laughs> I'm just saying. All these people moving out. California, it's like first California. Anyway, so but all these, they're starting to doubt. So he writes, he said, I pass on to you what was most important. What had also been passed on to me, that Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. And he was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, as the scripture said. Now watch, watch. Three times he was seen. He was seen. He was seen. He was seen by Peter, okay, and then the 12, and he was seen by, watch, more than 500 of his followers at the same time. How many of you know it's kind of hard to fake out 500 people at the same time? They can fake out one or two people, but 500 people at the same time? 
So uh, anyway, and then it goes on to say, some of whom are still alive to, to testify they saw Jesus risen from the dead. Friends, if you, if you don't believe, like, what are you going to do with your unbelief? You leave here still unbelieving. Let me just say this. All of this will be as true now as then. And when you begin to doubt your unbelief, it's still all true. You can still come back to it. And so then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So he was seen. It happened. It's real. Proves he's the real deal. And so I would say hundreds of people that saw Christ die. It was brutal there. I don't know. What they never believed was possible happened again that Jesus conquered death. What did they do? They, do, they did in their time what we do. Is that they went to social media. Come on, somebody. That was funny. I don't care what you think. They went to social media, and they talked to each other. Social media of their day. And the word is spreading there. And They wrote about it. They talked about it. All gospel writers talked about it. And then how about James? Yo, James was James the half-brother of Jesus, little bro of Jesus. So think of it like, if you, like he wrote in James that Jesus was God. He didn't always believe that. Imagine that. You're you're. The son of God, you're his little brother there, and you see all the things that he does. You see him, like, hear about him walking on water and raising the dead, not good enough, not good enough. Uh, uh, he's teaching, like, amazing, not good enough. Okay, but then he rises from the dead, the resurrection. He goes, you know what? My bro, he's just not my bro. My bro is God. And he talked about that when he wrote a letter. And so watch here. You have the brother of Jesus saying that he was God. I mean, if anybody could fake him out, uh, and if Jesus could, have, could not fake out anybody, it would have been his brother. So here's what you get from the resurrection. Here's why you want to believe in the resurrection. Because you don't believe, you don't get any of this stuff I'm going to talk about. What difference does Easter make? Because of the resurrection, you know Jesus is real. But here, secondly, we have new hope. You have new hope. The Bible says he is for all times our living hope. I've been thinking about this because I was going to talk today. But I've been thinking about this like people say, well, you know, I hope. And so many people, their hope is like in just nothingness. It's like in hope and hope itself. But see, when you believe in the resurrection and you choose to follow, it changes everything about your hope. So I want to unpack that for a moment because, hey, why do students go to college? Because they have hope? Come on, somebody. Why do, we, why do we get a new job? Because we have hope. Why do we go on those dating sites? And why do we go on first dates? I'm not trying to, like, make a dig. I'm just saying this is why we do it. <laughs> really. This is why we do it. Because, hey, of hope. Why do people start businesses? Why do we have entrepreneurs? Because of hope. Uh, why, do we have, why do we buy treadmills and thigh masters? And... <laughs> so it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, you can look right there. God has caused us to be born again. What? To emptiness? No. To a living hope through the resurrection through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and death. So because you can have hope because you have a resurrected Jesus who's alive. You have a living God. And so how does that flesh out? Here's how it fleshes out. That Jesus died for us and rose from the dead to give us hope every day. To give us hope every day. The word hope appears in the Bible 71 times. Before the resurrection, one time. After the resurrection, 70 times. See, it's a living hope there. So our hope is not based on something out there, kind of just some empty something. No, hope is based on someone who's living. See, what difference does Easter make? 
Yeah, he's the real deal. You have hope. And number three is this. We have power. See, when you cross the line of faith and you say yes to the resurrection, you say yes to Jesus, a relationship with him, God's power becomes available to you. God's power becomes available to you. And so when you cross the line of faith, okay, uh, there are things that God will give you the power to do that you can't do. The Bible puts it this way. It's awesome. In Ephesians 1.19, it says, I pray also, praying for the church, community of people just like us, I pray for you that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. In other words, just try to like, get your mind around this and this same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. So I just ask you a question. Do you think it takes a lot of power like to, like, to raise somebody from the dead? Yeah, yeah just a little power. Yeah. It doesn't happen very often. So <laughs> raise from the So it says that this, watch. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in you on Monday morning before you have your coffee and all that. Lives in you, okay? So the same power lives in you. So Easter then is an invitation to experience God's power in your life. The resurrected power of Jesus Christ can restore everything. Here's why it's important. It can restore everything that's broken. Okay, the resurrection power, resurrecting what? Dead things and dying things. Do you have any dead things in your life? Do you have any dying things in your life that need a living power to come along and resurrect those things? See, because of the resurrection means that the addiction doesn't have the last word in your life. That the unforgiveness, the broken relationship, the pain, maybe the hate, the forgiveness, the failures doesn't have the last word in your life. Perhaps the guilt doesn't have the last word in your life. The resurrection means that death doesn't have the final word in your life. So the power of the resurrection, friends, is really the power to change your life. The power of the resurrection is the power to let go of your past. How many people need to let go of their past and let the past be past? Let the past be under the blood of Christ here. See, all of us, you know, have different degrees of willpower, but at some point, your willpower runs out. And what this is saying is you need God's power. The day comes when you need God's power in your relationships, in your marriage, in your moral life, in your emotions. You'll just need God's power. Maybe you'll need God's power to start over. Maybe you'll need God's power for a fresh start. Maybe you'll need a a new beginning, but the day comes when you will need God's power. And so all of us left to our own, our strength at some point is finite. It can only take you so far. So not only that, but it's the power of God to keep going when you're, you're just out of strength, when you're out of steam, when you feel like giving up, when you just want to quit and you're, you're just done. Also, though, friends, it is the power to overcome darkness. This is awesome. Watch this verse in Revelation 1.18. I love this verse. Jesus said, I'm him who lives and was dead. And behold, I'm not like that anymore. I'm alive forevermore. And watch this. And I also have the keys of Hades, that is, of hell and of death. Do you recognize Jesus saying, I'm dead, I was once dead, but now I'm alive, and I've got the keys, I've got control, I've got power, I've got total access. In other words, the devil was so defeated at the cross, so shamed at the cross, watch this, at the cross, that he doesn't even have keys to his own house. That's how defeat, what, there it is in your Bible. I have the keys. The devil doesn't have the keys to hell. I've got the keys. 
I mean, it just gets your mind around that. That way, you know, we fear him and all. He doesn't even have keys to his own house. Jesus has the keys. The resurrection power that can take all things that are dead and bring them back to life. So, friends, God will meet you where you are in your life. But because of his power, he doesn't leave you there. And so he can take your brokenness. And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. If there's anything you, you take home, may this be one of the things that you take home. Because of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, the brokenness in your life can be turned into beauty. Brokenness can be turned into, not, not just because of you, not just because you, you have an extreme makeover. No, it's extreme makeover on the inside. Okay, God, by his spirit, can work within you and turn your brokenness into beauty. And so the last point I want to make is this, is that death, because of the resurrection, because of Easter, death is not the end of your story. The Bible says that in heaven there'll be no more dying. And so I just need to say that as a, somebody that does what I do as a kind of pastor stuff, is that I've seen a lot of death and dying. People, they call pastors when, they're, when people are dying. And I've seen many, many, many boatloads of people die. And so, um, and so I've buried my father. I've buried my mother. I've seen a lot of death over the years. In the next couple of weeks, I'll be doing a couple more funerals. So I traffic in this world. I live in this world. But what difference does Easter make? The wonderful truth of the resurrection is this, is that death is not the end. Death is not the end of your story. See, it's a transition to the next life. And so the resurrection can change your life. And so in light of this reality, I want to, I want to wrap this up. In light of this reality, if you could look at the screen right now, look at the screen there. You can see there's a hand, huge hand, and a little hand. And if, I just ask you to filter your life through this picture just for a moment. Filter your life through this picture. And some of you, the big hand was that illustrates God's hand. You've put your hand in God's hand. Some of you have done that for decades. Some of you are, are, are wondering about, well, should I or, or shouldn't I? Others of you are like, no, nah, it's not, not me. I don't want to put my hand in God's hand. But I just, this is what I want to present to you in closing, is that God came to meet us. God has come to meet us. And you can put your hand in the hand of the hope of the resurrection. You can put your hand in the hand of God where he gives you his power. You can put your hand in the hand of the one that can rewrite your story. Put your hand in the hand of the one that death does not need to be the end of your story. You can put your hand in the hand of like the real deal, like God's hand. And God, Jesus said, be, don't be unbelieving, but believe. In other words, Jesus said this, check it out. He said, I want you to believe in me. I, like I want you to believe in me. He said, be not unbelieving, but believe. And I get it. Some people are like, whoa, 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 just wait a second. Like he's asking a lot, you know, I'm just kind of new here and sort of checking it out and came because I had to come and all that. And uh, I don't have all my questions answered. To which I would say, well, let's talk about that. Do you really ever have all your questions answered in life when you make major decisions? And I would submit to you that you never do. Anybody married in the house? Did you have all your answers questioned, all your answers, all your questions answered before you got married for the next 50 years, what it was going to be like? No. You didn't know. You just, you took a step of faith 
Anybody in the house have kids? You know, did you, did you know what the kids were going to be like and what you were going to go through? And did you know everything you needed to know and had all your questions answered before you had kids? Of course not. See, that's not how we do life. Somebody put up this thing about, no, I, got, I have more questions. Well, I mean, when you choose a college, school, do you, do you know everything that's going to happen there? When you buy a home, are all your questions answered? See, friends, nowhere in life does it apply but there just comes a point where you, just, you take a step. What you need to know is this. is John 3.16 for God. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe on him wouldn't perish, but would have this everlasting, resurrected, real life with Christ that changes everything for everybody for all time. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. Not just live physically, but will live spiritually and live eternally. Even though he dies, you'll continue to live. And he who believes will never die. And Jesus just put it right out there. Like, I, I'm putting it right out there. Do you believe? Do you believe? And so perhaps you, your walk with God, today you can have an opportunity to, your hand could join his hand. It's been said that there's a thousand steps between you and God. And Jesus is making 999 of the steps, and he's waiting for you to take that one last step to him and come to him. I wonder who courageously would say yes. Like, that's what happened to me. This 17-year-old with a wrecked family and a wrecked life, and I'm just going to say yes to Jesus. So I wanted you to bow your heads with me. Father, just pray for everyone here. Thank you, Father, that you renew our faith uh, in Easter, in the resurrection. Thank you that we can experience hope, we can experience your power. Thank you that it's real, that 500 people at the same time saw the resurrected Jesus, that it's a fact. So if you're here and you want to say yes to him in your heart, you want to say yes to taking him as your savior, yes to forgiveness of your sins, in your heart, pray this prayer. Pray this prayer. Father, I want to thank you that Jesus went to the cross for my sins. I take you as the Lord and Savior of my life. I surrender all to you. Come in me and live in me by your Spirit. I believed in the resurrected Son of God. I believe that you died and you were buried and rose again. And by faith, I put my trust in you. Make me new. Make me to be your follower. In Jesus' name. And everyone agreed saying, amen. So we want to send you off with a resurrection blessing. God's blessing. So if you want to prepare yourself to receive his blessing, perhaps you close your eyes. Perhaps you lift your hands. Perhaps you stand. You could do whatever you want, but just receive this blessing. Fathers, you see everyone gathered here in the building and those watching online. Father, I pray that the resurrected hope, resurrected power would be theirs this week. That they would experience you as the resurrected Jesus Christ, Savior of the world. Father, I pray that you would bless them, that you would keep them, that you would cause your face to shine upon them, that you would be gracious to them, that you would give them your peace, that your mercy would be new every morning. Father, that you would bless them in the name of the Father and the Son 
and the Holy Spirit, that you would do this and you would do more. In Jesus' name, God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you next time.